surface level for people who are listening or watching this um don't be overwhelmed or scared by web3 it's it's the next step or phase and if i could simplify it in how i understand it is web one is the consumption right where we were able to read and consume um web two is a lot of where our businesses flourished and we're still using is the interactive state of like social media facebook instagram linkedin and what web three and leading into nfts is more ownership and um, flexibility around creativity as well welcome to unstoppable the podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of pro-founding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people. Those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. Today's guest is Jacob Zohar, co-founder and business development NFT today. With a diverse background from corporate America to startup ventures focused on different media streams, Working hands-on with clients and consumers, NFT Today encompasses that journey with a goal to carry and guide the people to an already shifted economical structure globally. Thank you so much, Jacob, for joining us on the Unstoppable Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor and um, honored, obviously, to be put in the category of unstoppable. So thank you for that as well. Um, first, my perspective on Unstoppable is what I believe is what got me here. But um, with that, there's one thing that can stop us in life or death. So as long as you're breathing, keep going. And um, I look forward to taking the time with you today. Yes. I mean, isn't that the truth? As long as we have the ability to make choices, right? When we have our opportunities today, we are unstoppable people. So, you know, after learning more about your background and even learning that you were not even in this space, right? You were not in the NFT world. Although like today we seem to be, you know, a little bit um, sprinkled with the idea of NFTs and that world of Bitcoin and ENS and what does that all mean? But before this became your life, Jacob being co-founder of NFT Today, you know, what were you doing? Like what evolved you to become into, you know, the NFT space? Because I did read that you um, were also in other magazine efforts. So you were, you know, in that space, but it was totally two different areas. So yeah, just give us a little bit of background about who you are and you know, what has driven you into the NFT world? Awesome. So I guess before we reverse engineer how we got here, um, first off for me, I'm sure like a lot of other people, it was a frustration how I'm not in that space or not as knowledgeable or involved in my day to day. So once kind of momentum picked up around Web3, 
constantly I was trying to look for an outlet or window to do so. After time and a lot of progress, we've gotten to a place where it's become my day-to-day. But um, like you said, my kind of background or expertise didn't necessarily lie or start here. Um, I guess we could start with a little bit about me prior to my professional career and just where I came from or come from. First off, first-generation American, which is something I'm super proud of. And my father's from Israel. My mom's from Poland. My grandparents are from Morocco. So a little bit of a diversified oh, wow. mix. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. I just, um, I visited all three countries, the most recent Morocco, and it was just like a really, really cultural connection there. So grateful as well. But um, going off that and I guess my background, a lot of how I was able to put my first best foot forward into stepping into my career after graduating Penn State University was a lot of why I'm so excited to be a first-generation American. So um, I felt like my initial why coming out of college was, um, quote-unquote, living the American dream, per se. I feel like um, my parents came here on um, a little bit more of um, a survival mentality, to say the least. And I know it's something you could maybe relate to as well with your background. But um, So in regards to my first step in my career path and a little bit of my personal background. Um, I knew for me personally, after I left college, I wanted to kind of jump forward into a a corporate structure being that my parents came here and, and like I mentioned, had a little bit more of the survival mentality, my older brother, not necessarily taking that organic route. But um, for me, it was, it was super easy leaving college, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to put myself into corporate structure and setting. And um, I feel like that was the first time where I took my why into the real world. And it was the first time that I was necessarily challenged with the drive and idea of how unstoppable you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really am very curious to know, you know, when your parents came over to America did you have siblings that were already born and you were born here in America? Was there some of that in between your family? No. So all of us were born here. My parents actually met here as well. So it's a cool, cool diner story to say the least. But, um, yeah, so me and my brothers were, we're all born here, first generation American and so were they also, were they able to go to college? Where did you find that? Because for that circumstances, sometimes it takes a few generations, if not, it skips one, for the children to feel that impact of, I've got to go to college, right? I need to know, you know, I need to know beyond what I'm going through or what I've experienced. And then you have that opportunity or were your parents, what did your parents do and what was their background to influence you? So they were, they were actually very aggressive in the business world from wholesale merchandise to flea marketing back when that was a thing Mm -hmm. and, um, progressively scaled into different ventures from that capital. My father is really tremendous in, in taking risk, I believe to say the least. But um, that was something that I really feel sparked my entrepreneurial curiosity, to say the least. He had a fast food restaurant. He opened a bagel shop in the city, um, as well as went into like a venture with my mom where she had a nail salon. 
So they were always kind of taking advantage of the opportunities to do something new. And I feel like at the time that they were here, America offered those outlets. And now bringing it back to um, the foundation that was set for us, I feel like me and my brothers kind of figured out the path of the U.S. for ourselves. And it was a lot of a lot to do with timeline because you mentioned my brothers and kind of the influence versus what I did in my experience. So I think my older brother was a big influence and he was at a time where college was this big thing. It was this cool concept of getting away from home, the experience, the journey. And that was something that I kind of made still that I wanted for myself. But then seven years later, my brother currently, my younger brother, he, um, he started the college venture in the time of Corona where it kind of surfaced itself back and there was not so much of the value and he decided to go online and step foot into business and he's on a completely different trajectory. So I think a lot of our journey has to do with um, time and adaptation as well. Yeah, I agree with that because so especially, you know, with the last few years, the evolutionary of technology, three years it has exploded and has has opened so many doors and opportunities for people to become entrepreneurs, to become business owners in in these niches that we never even thought about, right? So here we are with so much more, um, with our minds expanded, knowing that conventionally may not, it really may not always be for everyone, right? And even becoming a business, um, guru or somebody who is very successful in business, they still have different ways of obtaining their degree and going about it. I do have a question in regards to seeing your parents being entrepreneurs. My my dad uh, is an entrepreneur. As a child growing up, entrepreneur, my uncles, my grandpa, they all own their own businesses as well. And seeing their struggle impacted me. And when I became an entrepreneur, I felt more prepared and ready for the struggles that were going to come to me because nothing is easy. And even though you may have a very successful product, you're going to go through some crazy stuff that you never even thought of. Do you feel like seeing your parents go through those experiences, do you feel like it impacted you in a way? Has you felt like it's prepared you to be able to take this journey um, to become an entrepreneur? A hundred percent, definitely so. And I think even more so today in the day to day, like it's, it's a very beautiful relationship I have with my parents, but there'll be a time where uh, I might be overexcited about an opportunity or kind of pushing an agenda that I've been focused on. And um, from their experience, they will try to trickle down their influence. Um, I know with parents, sometimes it can be sensitive. I say like a little bit of a joke, the jacket theory, you know, like your mom tells you put on a jacket, you want to like take everything off. But um, the more we listen to them and kind of digest their experiences, there's a saying, obviously, that smart people learn from experience, wise people learn from other people's experience. So whenever so. That's brilliant. I appreciate that. I didn't, I wish I could quote it. I forgot who mentioned it, but it definitely wasn't me. (laughs) No, it is very true because there's so much knowledge out there. People are constantly uh, putting out information and it is really through the wisdom and then being able to seek it out from others. And that is 
true value that a lot of people do not take advantage of. Um, I love that quote. Yeah. So when you went to you, what college did you go to? You went to Penn State. Is that what you said or? Correct. Okay. And Penn you're State. like, I'm going to college. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for business. Is that what you did or? Advertising, marketing. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to take. To be honest, just if, if full, 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 no, full transparency, let's back this whole journey up. I was going into college, very immature mentality yeah. around the idea. <laughs> It was for the selfish reasons of trying to have some fun and party. Um, it was at a time where media was focused around that, uh -huh. like the Hamshmak, Bro Bible, all those kind of different crazy media outlets that um, really drove the wrong mentality around college. One of the things that I, I, I wish but don't regret, because I don't like to regret anything, is um, using the free time or a lot of the time that we had in college, especially being a way to become an entrepreneur, take certain leaps of faith, start the foundation for certain businesses. But um, going in, it was very more so just for the experience. And part of even how I got into media marketing and advertising was the confusion as well, just keeping it transparent. No, I love um, it. I wasn't as, it's so important yeah. to share this because people will think, okay, you got to have a plan. You have to execute it at this age. You got to know what you're doing. And it's not like that. It is so many and flows and you kind of go through the streams of life. And if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you make mistakes, but you continue to move forward, you're going to get there. And, yeah. you know, that's where you see these unstoppable powers of being able to say, you know, I maybe I made some mistakes or maybe I took longer but I'm never going to stop. I'm going to get there. So it's really important for the listeners to know that, you know, it doesn't matter what age you're at. It's not always going to go as linear as you think. So you go in as, you know, a, a young 18 year old going to college all for fun, but yet, you know, you're still going for marketing to keep up with the yeah. trend, right? You're like, this is what I'm going to do. I think a little bit, yeah, I think a little bit more, even just going off of that, because I think that'll be a part of the theme here with this, this podcast and how I got into NFT Today magazine. But um, there's another saying that efforts in your hands, outcomes in God's. So I think that also has to keep with, with the drive moving forward and understanding that like we're going to push forward, do what we have to do in the current position or opportunities that we have at hand. But where they go and the outcomes of it is really beyond us. So I love it. That's amazing. So then when you graduated, did you go? So, so, yeah, I guess prior to graduating, just to finish off on that thought with um, marketing and advertising, how I really got into it is I was glad that I was able to at least kind of digest this in the mess of everything. But uh, my thought process was if I'm so unsure and there was there was there was uh, majors that were um, titled, uh, what is it like undecided or so? Oh. That frustrated me. That wasn't something that I saw value in. But I thought of it as a businessman from the, the experience that I had with my parents and my background. I said, regardless of what I do, there's going to be an opportunity or someone's going to need the outlet to market themselves. And what maybe this will allow me to do is learn about other fields that I could be connected to and see where I want to take this thing. So my goal going into advertising was just understanding that it's something that any business would need. Mm -hmm. It'll be an outlet for me to interact with other businesses. But um, 
leaving college, going into the real world with some more transparency sprinkled there as much as my goal was to, to live the, the American dream and kind of fulfill what my parents, I thought my parents came out here for us to do. Um, I also couldn't necessarily grasp the idea of going into work with a suit every day and kind of becoming that corporate structure as well as I wanted to work in the setting. Um, so I remember at the career fair competing with a lot of different people. I was like, this is what I have to do. I got to dress up, level up, approach, show up to these things and see where things go. And um, I remember it was Yelp at the time that was out there, like making a lot of noise and commotion and energy. And I was like, wow, this seems like my, my outlet or my opportunity to kind of do both, like be true to myself and not having to wear a suit every day, but also a scalable opportunity at the time where the company was growing. So that was my first leap of career faith going into to Yelp. And Yelp, what what was your position there? What were your roles and duties? So initially when I went into Yelp, I went in as an account executive and that was my first kind of registration that like, okay, I'm here, I'm in this setting. I've taken the first step towards what I believe my parents came out here to do for us. But then the second I got in the doors, like I mentioned earlier, it was what I believe my first challenge at being unstoppable because my manager at the time mentioned to me with the company growing excessively that there was an opportunity to become a manager within a year and change. So when I heard that, as much as I didn't believe that was the first time that I was challenged professionally, mm -hmm. I said, that's what I want. I came here for my parents, but now my why is evolved for me. Yeah. I'm going to take on this challenge. And um, after a year and some change, I got promoted into management. And at the age of 23, I was managing a sales team of about 10 to 12 people. And when you were trying to elevate up into this role, what were some of the challenges that you faced that made you have moments like we all do have moments of questioning, you know, is this something that I really want to do? Or maybe there was some adversity that you were facing at work. Yeah, so for me, I, I, what, was, was, what was a healthy outlet for me, and I guess my understanding at the time was the importance of a resume, back then at least, in comparison to now, I think. But I knew when I walked in those doors, I'm staying there for at least a year. When they mentioned the opportunity for promotion and growth, I knew that that was the first challenge I would take on. Mm -hmm. But um, following it, the trajectory to kind of grow beyond that was a seven to, seven to 10 year process that um, I didn't necessarily see myself in, but um, I decided to take on that first challenge and adversity was was a given with the competitive pool there. And one of my first professional lessons I learned that helped me kind of expand, and it was also kind of what led me to starting one of my first companies, was um, the environment I was exposed to was very Google-like, where we had huge team roundups, big professional motivational speakers coming in and um, me for the first time, I was really just like absorbing all this healthy um, social media to say the least, as opposed to what I was exposed to in college. But I remember Simon Sedek um, mentioned this thing that we were exposed to that excitement and nervousness derives and comes from the same stimuli. And we could choose to interpret that how we would like. So in essence, if you think about being nervous or kind of facing adversity, right, it, it kind of comes with this, this crippling 
overwhelming, nervous, kind of sweaty feel. And psychologically, that's exactly the same as excitement. And when I learned that, maybe too overboardly, but um, I took that really near and dear to home and just kind of ran with it. And I believe that that one simple sentence was the was a huge portion in my success. So when you said too overboardly, I, I want to dive into that. What did that mean for you? So I know of myself, I can be an extremist, to say the least. And um, that was also something very cool in my professional career is like, something that my manager pointed out to me that I first was kind of like resilient to. I was like, no, 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 that's not me. Mm-hmm. But um, gradually started paying attention to it. So going off of the simplicity of that statement that excitement is excitement and nervousness derives from the same stimuli, I kind of fueled off of that, had it be the, the kind of key point to my growing success. And um, I believe it was around the time I became a manager. I saw this kind of crack in the corporate structure that I noticed that the start of the weeks were a little bit duller than the rest of them, or it took that kind of pickup time. So uh, I started this company called Dr. Monday, which was all around the idea of exciting yourself for the start of your week and kind of embracing that. So I feel like I took that thought of excitement and nervousness and being such a young, high energy, like for the first time seeing its results and kind of abused it to the sense where I became a little unhealthy in my outlet of how I was taking on business, overworking myself, for example. I'm actually... I feel like this is going to be the second time I've said this. I'm really glad you brought this up. And and it's really <laughs> true because there are so many times where you can do something that's a positive thing into your life or and then you can take it to an extreme level. And that's even including, you know, that this mindset of health and wellness and being able to do all the things to get us in a place to be able to overcome all of these humps, right? To not allow certain factors or circumstances or lacks to set us back so much that we can't do it. But the problem is, is that people will want to do it too much, right? It's like working out. When you work out too much, you fatigue yourself. You're actually doing the complete opposite. You tear a ligament. You do something that hurts your body or, you know, you're dieting too much. There's always going to be an extreme factor and people do not necessarily think about that within the mind, right? When we think about mindset, because can you meditate too much? Yeah, you can meditate too much because it's really about the feelings of it. It's not, there's no intentions. It's about being able to get yourself into a space of clarity. And when you take yourself into the space of clarity, that's when you're able to just continue to move forward. And, you know, we think, okay, but if I do it 40 minutes, that means it's better than 15 minutes. And that's not necessarily the truth. And I would actually, you know, combat that and say on a regular and a frequent basis, it's not sustainable. And then it's going to completely derail you and everything you've been working on and everything you've been working towards 
and then it could even potentially get you to a place where like this doesn't work for me mindset doesn't work for me you know or i've mm-hmm. tried this before and it doesn't work so i love that you've been able to recognize that share that and still say it works you just have to also be able to put boundaries around the things that work for you instead of going to the opposite which is the extreme version of it yeah it it's funny because also it was about a few months ago like i watched just putting it into perspective as well um i was exposed to this about 23 years old i'm 27 currently and with that it's just about a few months ago that i watched another video of simon senek and he was expressing something similar so when i heard that i was like i like send it to a bunch of people i'm like guys what I like, you know, like I kind of caught myself in that, but it was like a nice kind of moment where I think even he realized it too, like a lot of his messaging in the beginning. And I think it's, um, it's a, it's, it's a lot of the, the, the bigger picture kind of setbacks in motivational speaking or type of podcast like this, where it's more important. And I've learned it personally, the hard way to keep it real than to uh, sell it as it could be real. You know, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to have the balance in life. And it's not balanced that there are some days I work so much more than I've spent time with my kids. And there's some days that I spend way much more time with my kids than I do work. And it's not a balance of, okay, I did that three days and three days. It's literally a balance of how you feel within yourself. How do I feel as a person? Do I feel accomplished? Do I feel satisfied? And that's when there's balance and the balance is going to be a mixture between your personal life and your professional life. And you're going to be able to be the only person to know what that right amount and what that correct balance is, but to be able to feel comfortable to integrate the two and say they live together, they're they're driving in the same lanes and one shouldn't be shared without the other, right? Like, especially... I'm an avid user on LinkedIn and, you know, I'm sure for many, many years, it was just like, we only talk about business. That's it. You know, that's what that platform was really created. Mm -hmm. But the business is driven behind human beings. Human beings are who we're connected with. And I want to know if my client or someone I'm working with, someone I'm close with just had a baby. I want to know if, you know, and I want to, I want to, uh, or just got married, or maybe had some tragedy. Let's talk about it together and understand where we're at as individuals and celebrate it all at the same time and be united together while we're talking about our professions, right? It should never be where we talk about mindset over here and your your professional endeavors over here and they never cross, you know, unstoppable yeah. beliefs. I believe that they're together. Um, And you are obviously showcasing that and and expressing the same, which, you know, creates this really unstoppable power. So you did your time at Yelp. And then what did you do? Because you said you got to a point where you're like, this wasn't, this was no longer for you. Awesome. So before jumping into that, just to, cross the thought on the last thing you mentioned um it's funny but literally going off of literally that the past few weeks i've been working on sundays yesterday for some reason not super bowl related i didn't necessarily even watch that 
But um, just I, for some reason, I, I, I couldn't. I didn't have it in me. I was kind of out of whack in just the mental space of I need this Sunday to do nothing. It's been so long since that I've done nothing. And I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing yesterday. But um, what it then sparked in me being able to keep it real with myself yesterday um, was this whole new fire and drive waking up this morning. It was like, I hate doing nothing. I remember why I do. I didn't do nothing for so long. Yeah. I'm sure you probably felt like almost an emptiness, like there's so much I could have done. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but um, it's a healthy outlet. And, and going back to what you mentioned, um, uh, so where the disconnect kind of or leap of external faith took was around the time of Corona, which I think has to do with a lot of also the shift in in focus, the shift in, like I mentioned before, in schooling from where I was and going to, away to college and where the younger generation is now and the outlets they have. But um, in the midst of Corona, about two months in, um, the company that I mentioned, Dr. Monday at the time was, was growing. And when I was in Yelp, it was something that I was kind of cr- cross promoting. I would have like, uh, weekly Monday ra- roundups with, with certain teams and kind of use it as like an outlet to, to give a kickstart to the week. But, um, after two months of Corona working from home and kind of seeing the world 360, I said, this is my opportunity to kind of jump ship and try to do something for myself. Um, mentally, I couldn't really grasp the idea of being boxed in, in my, in my house. And I just cut ties respectfully and I went full operation into Dr. Monday, which is motivational lifestyle and media outlet that I was doing a ton of different con, uh, content with, I was traveling and for the first time I was, I was working for myself. So that came with a lot of different challenges from, Staying disciplined, for one, um, showing up for yourself, which you believe or think you'll show up a lot more than when it actually push comes to shove. So that was that end of it. And through that journey, taking some time, doing some things in, in real estate and kind of just evolving myself as an as overall kind of asset to, to the professional world, I, um, I then kind of dove back in over the course of Corona kind of filtering itself out into um, putting myself back on the map. So I looked for different experiences. I was very realistic with myself. And that's another point that we could get get to as well is I took this personal leap of faith working for myself. And then a year or two later, found myself looking for another job. So I was like, please tell me, you know, what okay, okay, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're willing to share, you know, what was that experience like for you? And then why did you decide to? Of course. So with doc, with, with, with Dr. Monday, I believe first off the messaging was, was near and dear to me and what I was doing at the time. Um, but what happened was when I kind of took that leap of faith and it was no longer a side hobby, something I was doing alongside with what I was working in corporate or trying to just help people, I tried to monetize it. And through monetizing it, it got a little saturated and it became a little uncomfortable. And I realized this is not why I started or did this. And I need to kind of take a step back for myself, as well as I was so excited of the lessons I learned and how I was able to progressively 
um, advance in the professional world from Yelp being out of college to advancing into a managerial role, managing a sales team. Um, I really was trying to target the young college audience coming out. And once I did so and felt like I've done so, I felt like I was exhausting my message. And I felt like me personally, I had to take a step back and work and kind of advance my own personal path and career to come back with a stronger, better message. So that was the kind of restructuring I did internally. And through that, I, it was still kind of the mess of Corona. So I was like trying to play around with what the world was dealing with. Okay. There's uh, a shipment of mask over here and there's an opportunity over here. And maybe we could find creative solutions to, um, doing outdoor venues and stuff like that. And I was really kind of all over the place and very unorganized to say the least with my approach and process. And, um, I kept it real with myself and realized that. I've acquired a lot of skills and I think I could be of better value to an organized structure with a proper team. That was another lesson I learned too, is that I couldn't do everything myself. I needed a team. I didn't have the capital or resources to invest in my own team. So I said, I'm going to rip the bandaid and, and realize that I'm not ready for this and go back and, and apply for, for jobs. Um, this time around, I said, um, I want something different. I don't no longer want the corporate structure as much as I loved it. I also realized how cutthroat it was. And for me, not necessarily always the healthiest kind of exposure that I was exposed to. And I said, I know about startup ventures. I know that those usually lead to bigger, more lasting opportunities. I don't know where it goes, but let me put forward my effort and see where the outcome is. So literally when full hustle mode after some time of frustration, you know, like a year or two of doing my own thing. And I believe I applied to like a hundred companies at the time. I went on like a 12, uh, 12 round interview with a bunch of different ones. And then I met this new startup that was launching a publication. They had a backing in the UK and they're launching a new venture in the U S called construct America. And for me, I said, I just been spending some time in real estate. My background is marketing. Maybe this could be that outlet to utilize the work that I've done the past year or so and tie it together into more of a structure, pick up some more experience, and then possibly lead into my next leap of faith. And tell us more about what does Construct America entail? So Construct America is a B2B trade journal. Mm -hmm. And we were covering um, national development construction companies. And it was a design system around support advertising, if you're familiar or heard of it, but it's pretty cool. And what I saw the value in it is being that there was a new team being structured in the US, similar to kind of the light bulb and the Yelp moment where it was like, hey, you could do this in a year. When I was applying, they mentioned the opportunity to um, be a manager within a few months and then potentially onboard your own team. And I saw that as an asset for me and my, my growth. And I went full force into it in, in that journey. And what's kind of crazy from the process of it is, um, signing up to it. I didn't have no idea necessarily where it would go long-term. And I think this kind of brings us completely back to the idea of efforts in your hands outcomes and gods. Yep. And 
Yeah. Before I go on, I'm going to go on another rant. No, I feel like there's you. That's the whole point, right? We're learning about you, your journey, and you know what it really takes to get to where we are today. You know, I think that it's amazing that you have shared so many of these valuable tips and also these experiences because it showcases the the unlinear process of evolution on where you want to be in life and you know i now that i am an entrepreneur i've been surrounded by many more entrepreneurs and even prior to i i was dabbling myself a little bit in entrepreneurialism and i was partners in a couple of companies before I really started my own. And I had just a small experience and that made me feel almost when I had to walk away because my partners were not the right people for me to partner with. And, you know, especially the, you know, the last partnership I had before I started my uh, first company, CPR Construction Cleaning, that was a really horrendous experience. And I went from everybody being so excited about the fact that Karina is part owners in this company and the entire industry knew, and I just up and quit. I left, I gave over my partnership and I had to experience a sense of humility, right? I had to humble myself and I had to pick myself back up emotionally and I had a lot of people say, oh, what happened? You know, and it, it made me feel very like my worth wasn't there or that I was allowing what happened to make me feel like I failed in a sense. And it's not true. I just couldn't see. I couldn't see past or far enough and why it was that I was going through what I have to get me where I am today. And if you just continue to put one foot in front of the other and believe and trust that you are in these certain circumstances and these situations, but it's really, to, it's continuing to refine you like a diamond, right? It's just this, this evolution to perfect you, to get you to be the best at where you need to be. And you're going to have your best experiences there. So, yeah. you know, it is so important for anyone who believes in this unstoppable mindset that it does not mean that you've arrived, right? We're still on this unstoppable journey. It's talking about, you know, we use entrepreneurs like yourself to talk about your experiences and but we're just like everyone else, right? Just just like in corporate world, just like if, you know, when you own your own business, we're all facing adversity and it's all about choices. What choices are you going to make and are you going to allow your circumstances to define you? And if you say, no, I'm not going to let that define me, that means you're an unstoppable person. And let's show you how a lot of these amazing people who are on this show are proof of that and allow it to give the audience the hope and that drive and that fire to be reignited within them 
that they won't stop, that they'll keep going no matter what. So, you know, now that you're in Construct America, you then decide to dream even bigger and you just are like, I'm just gonna go totally and completely outside the box. Let's talk about the NFT today and how you got there. But what was that moment that ignited you to even start it in the first place? So going off of what you said as well, I think a lot of my perspective has shifted in from where I was at Yelp and my my promotional kind of venture there versus this journey here and how we were able to I'll loop us in how we got there as well. But um, how we're able to get to NFT today and it was exactly off of what you said is understanding that we're all human and um, at the end of the day, you could get a little bit confused on kind of the the experience and or the professional kind of credentials of somebody or people you're interacting with in the space and kind of get lost to it. But um, I realized the more I did my effort and what I knew was my skill, kept it real and where I could use help and understood that everyone is a human and letting go of where we can control. It's really just opened so many more doors. It's like crazy in, in the business sense of being in a situation and trying to overdo something versus saying, let me give this 24 hours and see how it unfolds, knowing that I did the best I could do. But um, going off of that, yeah, it's kind of a, a crazy, crazy continuous journey because with Construct America, I was working with now one of the co-founders of NFT Today magazine, Gavin Pearson. And it's kind of a unique outlet, but basically in my mind at the time I was working with Construct America and we were doing an exclusive special on cannabis and construction, which is a very big and upcoming kind of sector in the space. It's funny, but right across the street from where we're located, they're building like a four story um, cannabis museum. It's legal now in the, in, in New York. So it's a hot topic. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's also very cool. I'm sure, you know, in the construction sector, it includes a lot of different um, suppliers or, or, or people along those ventures from like HVAC and stuff like that because it's a little unique to the settings but um, we did we did um, we did an exclusive edition around cannabis and construction and it was one of the best editions that we've ever done with the company and in my mind I was like wow this is this is pretty impactful kind of lens that we could use our resources because again, this was the excitement for me coming into um, a more startup setting, right? When I was working at Yelp, it was very cutthroat and tailored to what you can do. I remember even like trying to pitch them on doing um, uh, like there was complex life at the time. So I wanted to do like Yelp life, like internally kind of document what happens in the office. And to get to that phase, I had to like sit in conference calls with different people. And I was like, this is very overwhelming. But with Construct America and that journey, it was as easy as like a phone call. Like, hey, I think this makes money. What Should we give it a try? And um, we did so with the Cannabis and Construction Edition. And one of the other co-founders, which I know that you are, um, you have a close relationship with, he speaks very highly of you. And you guys have um, had the opportunity to co-host a podcast in the past. But Brian Esposito, he was someone that I was actually targeting as a lead for Construct America, believe it or not. And what was that? I said, that's cool. So you were like, I, you wanted him for something else, but then something else totally blossomed from it. 
Yeah, and I think this goes back to like the whole idea of efforts in your hands, outcomes in, in God's. And sometimes I look back at that exchange we had and I'm like, how is it so crazy that we're about a year forward now in, in a venture that we started together? But um, it started as simple as kind of just throwing out some bait and I give him a ton of credit because he's very good at staying on top of his socials as, as well as you are. And um, he responded, but he responded in a very like, indirect manner of I'll take the opportunity but it has to go through this outlet and we kept interacting a little bit but something rang a bell in my in my head and again that's why I can't take credit for for the outcomes efforts in our hands outcomes in God's but um, I was doing the cannabis and construction thing it was one of the best revenue generating opportunities we had I noticed that Brian was the co-founder of Bapes and really big into the web3 space I was very excited and interested about Web3, and I guess this circles us back to where we started, is how did I get into Web3? Um, so from that kind of interaction, I said, you know what, maybe there is a lens or outlet here where Brian might go for something like we did with the cannabis and construction special, and we'll do um, a one-time thing for NFTs, right? Like we have the resources. We have the, the production team. We have the editorial team. This would be cool. And maybe this would be a way for me to learn a little bit too. So fast forward, pitching him on the, the simple concept of um, doing a one-time hard copy edition. Brian's also a little old school. So I think that's what caught his attention. Um, he jumped at it and he's like, let's set up a call. And now it was us talking directly. It was no longer filtered through someone else. So I said, we might be onto something. I was super excited about it. It wasn't as simple or as quick as, uh, uh, hey, nice to meet you. Let's start a business together. It was it was over the course of some time and crossing a lot of paths with um, the internal team like Gavin and some of the other guys and making everyone kind of hands-on and aware that it's something bigger than just this one-time addition. But um, yeah, I when I express it, I can't explain it, but you don't think that you're going to apply to 100 companies end up working for one out of the 12 you interview with and then partner with your boss and start a completely different company with the lead. Yeah. So that's unstoppable right there. That's, that's, that's <laughs> unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now you're in the NFT space. So, you know, give us some details about what NFT today brings the, you know, to the audience the you know, to help them and, mm -hmm. What's the value? Of course. So first off, um, I think what we're doing is a little bit unique to just the media coverage because we also operate in the space as well. But um, starting off initially, the media goal and kind of where we saw the opportunity to bridge the gap is in onboarding and guiding people from Web 2 into Web 3. Um, for me personally, as soon as I saw momentum around the partners and people picking up kind of interest, I said, I need to kind of put my pedal to the metal and foot to the gas, understanding the opportunity and position I was in. So highlighting kind of the the day to day. And like I mentioned in the beginning, I wanted any opportunity to be into the space web three full time. And that was the, the outlet that I took to do so. But um, with also kickstarting this venture, and again, I can't explain how the thought came to mind especially with the lack of knowledge at the time. But I thought it would be a super cool idea to um, make our front covers actual NFTs. And that's the case for our first edition. 
This is a partnership we have with Patrick Willis. There's about 500 accessible pieces that you guys could obtain through Universe 52, which is a fan engagement and giving back opportunity. But um, first on the media front, what we're doing is trying to bridge that gap from Web 2 to 3. And then on the operational end, we, we give people the outlet to actually experience or interact or engage into Web3 NFTs. Um, I don't know how familiar or um, knowledgeable your audience is with NFTs or kind of how it works, but maybe surface level is a good entry point. Yeah. So we had Brian initially, who is our very first person who ever talked about, you know, NFTs and vapes actually. So nice. I'm trying to think who else we've had. I don't think we've had anyone else other than Brian Esposito. So, Good. you know, when it comes to the NFT and Web3 and Web2, I was actually doing some research myself on the differences between the two and, you know, why, why is it important to you know, cross over from web two to web three. And there's so much there and it's really very simple, but the fact that we don't know very much about it and we're not educated on, on that. And we're, we're really seeing a lot of the artwork. We almost kind of feel nervous to step into the space. But if there are more people who are making the education accessible, right? Rather than just being like NFT web three, web two, you're like, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. It's more of delivering. This is how you set up a MetaMask wallet in 10 minutes. We can, we can mm -hmm. go through it, do a step-by-step. -step. It will make people feel so much more comfortable than going to the next step of understanding why is it, um, what are the perks behind having um, an NFT and how can it bring value to me in my life or even evolutionizing it into corporate? How can corporate mm -hmm. utilize it to um, be a perk for their companies as well? But it always has to start at the beginning, which is the foundation of creating the simplicity of it, because when it's something new, especially with technology, you know, if it's not approached in a way with like education first, it definitely can feel a little scary. And then old school people, I will say I'm a little, probably a little more old school when it comes to technology, oddly enough, but, um, cause even like the content that's created for my social is created by my in-house team. I'm really not that savvy at creating anything with applications, but I'm great at conceptualizing. I'm amazing at storytelling and copywriting. Like I can write stuff, but not with the, you know, systems. So I know I'm not alone, right? So it's awesome yeah. that you have this magazine that's really showcasing that and then showcasing how people are integrating it into their uh, businesses as well. Yeah, and I think you're, you'll have a run for your money, hopefully, if that's your case, because they say that the future has to do with a lot with how you prompt. Mm -hmm. So I heard something this week, and I think Gary Vee might have said it, but um, AI is like the tractor 
for the farmers, right? Like people are scared that AI will come take jobs, but similar to back in the day when tractors were evolving, um, it was just a matter of how familiar, how well you use the tractor on the farm. So similar, they talk about prompting and how well you could guide those robots to do your job. So I think you'll have a, a great job at it. But um, part of our, our goal in our layout, if you guys check out our website, nft-today.xyz, is exactly off of um, the stereotypes around Web3, the overwhelmingness. We try to do the complete opposite and make it a very Web2 um Web two front in the sense of the consumption end where people are more familiar, even like our theme of the magazine, it's very like general in the sense of not being overwhelming. A lot of the web three sites you go to are like very futuristic oriented, but um, that was something that we wanted to focus on is making it more comfortable for people to digest and enter into, because like you said, and even myself too, I was looking for the outlet to make it a day to day because I believed at the time that the only way you could get into Web3 is if it was your full time focus. Mm -hmm. But we're hopefully trying to help change that and guide people more transitionally into it. But um, it is an overwhelming space and it can be at least to say the least. But um, I think like you said, it's something that's been evolving for years and people are finally catching up on it. So to catch up on years of progress, it seems a little bit much, but um, that's part of our goal is to try to simplify, dumbify it. Um, our editorial team, shout out to Eric Mitchell. He does a tremendous job with um, running the floor there and they're kind of all guided to deliver the, the information in the sense of um, as deliverable professionally to a fifth grader, just be some behind the scenes if you're consuming our, our, our content. Mm -hmm. But um, surface level for people who are listening or watching this, um, don't be overwhelmed or scared by Web3. It's, it's the next step or phase. And if I could simplify it in how I understand it is Web1 is the consumption, right? Where we were able to read and consume um web two is a lot of where our businesses flourished and we're still using is the interactive state of like social media facebook instagram linkedin and what web three and leading into nfts is more ownership and um, flexibility around creativity as well so with that for going off of what you said in regards to stereotypes as well um NFTs, as much as they were a very hot topic, they're a very scary topic, especially now. What is the intention for NFT? How are the NFT today? What is the intention and how do you want it to change the future of how NFTs are viewed? So for one, I think it's also important along with our goal, hopefully helping to do so, but understanding the real value in NFTs beyond kind of the digital art hype, right? That we all are familiar with. There was this kind of time frame where there was a simple relationship between digital art and celebrities or large volume audiences interacting and kind of pumping up the value behind a piece of art, as well as we could digest or understand in the real world. like. Mm -hmm are made by a certain person or backed by a certain person tends to have higher value. But um, how I see NFTs and how NFTs have been kind of progressively making more of a, a foundation in, in the 
playing field is through the utilities that they provide in the physical world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how you could understand more so how this could impact the day to day is understanding that NFTs are not just a form of digital art. It's a way for businesses to kind of revolutionize what they're doing by bringing these unique tokens, these digital assets towards their more mundane or regular day to day in a more exciting fashion or manner that again goes off of what you're saying earlier in the in the in the call with um, building a community and I think Web three differentiating from Web two is it is more cult like or community oriented as opposed to a volume fan engagement approach if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And I mean, even for myself and for my team with Unstoppable specifically, we really are the forefront ourselves of always wanting to be a part of educating, right? And it doesn't matter what area because everybody deserves to feel unstoppable. So for us, we definitely want to integrate um the opportunity to have an NFT for Unstoppable. We have our events that we have um, annually. I, I say that like as if we've had several, but we've only had one. This will be our second one. This is an annual <laughs> event coming up. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to have our event at the end of September, our second Unstoppable. And we really want to be able to start that with an nft and then having the utilities behind it to give value to the people who you know are investing in in unstoppable itself that they're having this return that is not just one day right it's this continual return for them and and that they can feel unstoppable every day you know utilizing that return of the utility So, you know, even a company like myself, you know, for the audience listening, if we can do it, right, you can think about how you can utilize it for a personal brand, for your corporate, for your small business. Anybody and everybody can be a part of that. And and it's really important to start today to integrate this into your lives, whether it's just small bits um, and really just learning about it but it's not going to go away. So I know there's some people who are thinking, oh, it's just going to, you know, mull over, but it's not, it's absolutely not going to. Um, we have and for the, technology for that to happen. Yeah. And for those people, how I can hopefully give them more of a, a realistic approach of confidence with this, how I bought myself in is just kind of watching the trajectory or the, the bigger brands kind of come into market and take this kind of leap of faith with, Web3 NFTs, whether they're doing it right, need some help, or kind of advancing progressively. If we start seeing companies like Adidas, Rolex, JP Morgan shift into the space, we would be crazy to think if it's not going to continuously go there, that they will take it there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very true. Wow. I'm so glad you added that because these are major corporations who would not spend the time, the effort if they felt that it was just you know, this temporary fad. Jacob, I could talk to you forever, honestly. I, I feel like we could just continue on to, and evolutionize into a whole different sphere of this um, conversation. But 
where can the listeners subscribe to your magazine? Is it just a hard copy that they can have um, ordered and they receive monthly, or is it something that they can also have digitally? So they could subscribe online. We're advancing our subscription options, but we'll have the opportunity for firsthand digital hard copies, as well as whitelist for unique NFT opportunities. As I mentioned, we mint and, and, um, transfer our magazines into unique NFTs, which is also part of the fun with Web3 is you could do unique kind of ownership opportunities like that. But um, yeah, subscribe online, um, reach out, press at nft-today.xyz. And um, yeah, I look forward to hopefully helping help you transition into Web3. Absolutely. And do you have anything exciting that's coming up that you want to share? Yes. So going off of what you said, as I mentioned as well, is we also we also put forward projects and collections from A to Z. So along with the media progress, the media progress that you guys could keep an eye out for with breaking news, um, monthly editions. We also build out collections and to diversify what you were saying with your company. Obviously, NFTs is something that could be applicable to any outlet or any sector and some upcoming projects we're working on. The first one we did with Patrick Willis in the sports sector, working on a collection with Scott Page from Pink Floyd, which is in the music sector. And then we're building out an educational platform with some pro skateboarders to just to kind of keep the excitement at mind. And hopefully for you, whatever field, venture, or outlet you are currently using, don't be overwhelmed by Web3. And um, yeah. yeah. Amen for that. And I will say this much, is that everyone I've actually met in the NFT space, Web3, are the nicest people too. So, you know, that's, do not be yeah, that's a big hack. out and ask questions. But I really, I honestly, I don't know if it's like the creativity and like the, this open-mindedness, but they're very helpful. They're very kind. I honestly don't think I've met anyone that I've been like, wow, you are not helping me understand this or not friendly at all. Like everyone has been really amazing. Thank you so much, Jacob. And for those listening, if you love this episode, don't forget to give us a review and check out this full episode on YouTube. Thank you again, Jacob. Thank you for having me.